Well, thank you for that applause, and I didn't even uh, start preaching, so thank you. I'm kidding, okay. Lighten up. Well, <clears throat> you're stuck with me this morning. And uh, I'll go ahead and finish my thought, and I'm stuck with you. So we might as well, since we're stuck together, let's make the most of it, okay? <laughs> All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Now before we go to the text, let's set the stage here. This passage that uh, we're going to be looking at this morning is the second prayer that Paul prays in this letter to the church at Ephesus. The first letter or the first prayer that he makes uh, mention of is found in chapter 1 verses 15 through 21. And in that first prayer, Paul prays for enlightenment. Okay? He's praying to the church. Now, this message uh, this morning is geared towards those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But also, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this message uh, can speak to you as well. But predominantly, it's to the saints. And so he's praying. I find it very interesting that he's praying that first prayer that they would get enlightenment, they would get knowledge, that they would get to know about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for them. And I'm thoroughly convinced that we are in the age where knowledge should not be an excuse. We have all the resources that we need. And, and I, I know this is, I hope this is not offensive. But my, uh, my daddy said, when uh, you go to work, son, you roll your sleeves up. So uh, I'm hoping to go to work here. And I just got to get rid of the coat. If it offends you, I'm sorry. Uh, but that's just the way it is. I just got to operate that way. Okay? So you're good with that. You're all right with that. And by the way, it's a new shirt and tie. And I wanted to sh kind of show that off too. <laughs> just throw that in. So we are in the age where we have all the knowledge that we can grab hold of. We have Bibles upon Bibles. Uh, we have the internet. We have, Kindle, we have all the knowledge that we can lay our hands on. Now I understand that there are some who still do not know what Jesus Christ has done for them. I understand that. But I'm telling you, and the majority, and especially for those as believers, we have no excuse not to have some knowledge. So the question for us this morning is not getting more knowledge. The question is found in this second prayer that Paul uh, prays. And this second prayer, he goes from enlightenment to enablement or to embrace it. He says, now you've got the knowledge. What I want you to do is embrace it and enable you to understand what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm telling you, that I got good news for you. You're wealthy. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are wealthy. The problem is not our wealth. The problem is that we need to act upon which we do have that wealth. 
See, here's the problem with many Christians today, and I'm thoroughly convinced the reason why we're not making the impact that we need to make on society is because we are not tapping into the resources that the Lord Jesus has given us, and He is and we are not going out, and we're not exercising what we say. We're not showing our belief in our behavior, and the lost world is looking around, and they're saying, well, they say this and say that, but I sure don't see much of that. Folks, that's a tragedy. And there are some sitting in the pews today that you are wealthy according, and we'll see it in the passage, according to the riches of His glory, which means He'll never have a little note or He'll never have a... a, a, When you go and make a purchase where it says decline due to lack of insufficient funds because your riches is not based upon you. Your riches are based upon His glory. And by the way, he has an endless supply. And so here we see Paul, first of all, in verse number 14, Paul prays for them. Now I want you to notice how he prays for them. The Bible says, For this cause. What cause? This cause that he's fixing to tell us about. That we have all the riches according to his glory. You are wealthy. And because of this, he says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to look furthermore into this passage here. But here's the first thing that we're going to look at this morning. Is that Paul is praying. He's not praying to the lost folk. He's praying to the saved folk. He says, I bow my knees for what cause? This cause that you are rich beyond measure. And it's all because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's pray and then we're going to jump into our message this morning. Lord, thank you for your word, the power of your word. And Lord, I'm fully convinced that there could be a lot better preachers behind this pulpit today. But I'm it. And so, Lord, I just ask that you use me. Lord, I yield myself to you. Lord, I'm asking that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is working through me. I pray that you will give me the words that I need to speak. And, Lord, that these people, when they walk out of here, will not be able to say, what a sermon but they'll be able to say, what a Savior. And Lord, that's my prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in verse number 14, Paul says, I bow my knees. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, and I'm kind of a weird duck, I guess, but I find that a little comical because I'm, I'm trying to paint pictures in my mind. Here's Paul, and if you go to verse number one uh, in this chapter, you'll see that he is a prisoner which means that he is chained to a Roman soldier. (laughs) Now, I don't know why I find this kind of funny, but uh, when I see where he bows his knees, this means uh, this Roman soldier, he's he's attached to uh, to Paul, and Paul all of a sudden just drops to his knees. (laughs) And so here's the Roman soldier being drugged down on his knees as well. And I I don't know, and and this is my spiritual imagination, just give me liberty to do so. I could just see that Roman soldier looking at Paul, and he says, Paul, what is the deal here? 
So here he says, I bow my knees. Now, I want you, this is going to take a little time to develop. Bear with me. Uh, I'm going to help you to see what kind of wealth that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So he says he bowed his knee. Uh, he, he physically got down on his knees. Now, nowhere in the Bible does the Bible tell us that is a command or a mandate in what position to place your body in order to pray. We see Abraham. You remember Abraham? Abraham, when he prayed for Sodom, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 18 that he stood as he prayed. But then we also go and see that Solomon, Solomon, when he was praying for the dedication of the temple there in 1 Kings, that he stood. But we also see in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, when David was praying about the kingdom, it, the Bible says he set before the Lord. But then we see when our Lord Jesus went to the garden, he fell on his face. And so I want you to understand and I need to understand that the Bible does not anywhere command what position you need to be in. You can pray setting up. You can pray laying down. You can pray driving your car. The, the purpose of the uh, what we need to understand is we just need to pray. Amen? And so here Paul says he bowed his knees. Now go to Ephesians chapter 2 and we're going to do a quick break. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to see something. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, we will see, first of all, that the Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses, right? Amen. We were dead. We were dead people. Amen. Dead people do not see. Dead people do not hear. Dead people do not feel. And they do not taste, right? The Bible says that because you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you were dead. You were spiritually dead. But then it goes on in chapter 2 of Ephesians. It says, but he quickened us. Which means that at one time you were dead, but now you've been resurrected. Not only have you been resurrected, but you've been resurrected. If you go on and read further in chapter 2 of Ephesians, not only were you resurrected, but he says you were seated in the heavenlies. Isn't that good? So here's what he said. He said, Paul is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm bowing my knees and I'm praying. We're going to see later on that he's praying that the Holy Spirit will come and dwell. And there's more to that. And we'll look at that. But here's the deal. Is that you were dead, but then you came to realize you were in need of a Savior. And you cried out to him. You confessed your sins. You repented of your sins. And by faith, you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. At that time, you were dead. But when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, I'm telling you, a miracle took place. You were resurrected, but not only were you resurrected, but you're sitting there in the heavenlies. And not only were you sitting in the heavenlies, but if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, are you with me? This is getting good now. That we are able to walk in the Spirit. But not only that, oh, it doesn't stop there. Not only do we were able to walk, but in Ephesians chapter 6, we're able to stand. And you all know the, where we are able to put on the whole armor of God. So here's what happened. When you bowed, you said, well, Brother Mike, I, I didn't bow my knees. I was lying in bed. Or Brother Mike, I was sitting in my pew. Remember, it's not the physical position that he's concerned about. It is the 
heart condition. See, when you bowed your heart, what does bowing do? Bowing is a sign or symbolic of humility. You came to realize you were weak and undone. You came to realize that you're in need of a Savior and you cried out to Him and said, have mercy upon me. And when He heard your prayer and when He came into your heart and the Holy Spirit came in because it had a residence in you, which we're going to look in a few moments, that you were resurrected you're able to see, you're able to hear, you're able to taste, you're able to feel, but not only that, you're able to sit in the heavenlies, not only that, you're able to walk in the Spirit, not only that, you're able to stand against the walls of the devil. I'm telling you, you're rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then, that's a good place for that. Then he goes on. Then we pick up in verse number 16. Are you with me? Sounds like a windstorm or something. Look in verse number 16. That he would grant you according to your riches, according to the preacher's riches, according to the riches of the glory to be strengthened. Now here's in the petition. Paul gives four requests, but these four requests are sort of like a, a, a telescope, if you will. A telescope. You know, you have one unit, but when you're wanting to get a, a closer look for something that's farther away, you would extend that. You would have like four components or four parts to this telescope. This is what Paul's reference to here. He talks, first of all, about being strengthened. He says, well, what are we going to be strengthened with? Now, I'm going to, oh, well, you got to stay with me on this. You're going to be strengthened, first of all, he says, for the spirit, talking about the spirit, he's talking about the inner man, okay? That's, that's the spiritual aspect of us. He says, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, the first thing that he, the word used is dwell. He says, wait, 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 wait a minute, brother. You told me that Paul was writing this letter to the believers. I thought when I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit. You did. You got all the Holy Spirit that you needed. Okay? So what is he, why, is he say, why is he praying for the Spirit to dwell? The word dwell is a very interesting word. You know, get, this is good. This is all, I, I, got, I got to get down here on the floor for this. The word dwell means to settle and to feel at home. You, you, some of you already know where we're going. To settle and feel at home. What's he talking about here? He's talking about that that time when you got saved, the Lord knocked on your door. And you opened the door and you let him come in, right? If you come to my house and you knock on my door and I let you come in, you're in, right? You're, you're already in. But if I do not offer you to sit down on my recliner, I don't offer you to prop your feet up on my coffee table, I don't offer you a snack, I don't offer you to stay for dinner, you, would, uh, feel, you, you wouldn't quite feel at home, would you? That's what he's talking about here. He said it's not a question of the Holy Spirit getting in. It's a question of how you're making the Holy Spirit feel when he gets in. Amen. Are you with me? 
He says, the Holy Spirit, I want him to settle down. I want him to get able to get in your recliner, put his feet up, and says, whoo, I feel at home here. Where we can do some things, and we can have dialogue, and we can talk to one another, and I'm comfortable here. See, here's the problem with many believers is they let the Holy Spirit in, but you haven't let him settle down in you, and you have not made him feel welcome to where he feels at home. Am I, am I talking to somebody here? And so he says to dwell in them. But he uses another word. Now it's a very interesting word. The word rooted. Now what is he making reference to here? He's talking about a tree. I found this out firsthand. In Psalms chapter 1, the first psalm, it says that a godly man should be uh, like a tree planted by the rivers or the waters, right? Okay. When I lived in Florida, we were making an addition to the church and we were getting a, a pouring a concrete pad to do our Awana games on. And we had to remove a palm tree. Now, palm trees, uh, they're kind of weird, but... Uh, you know, you got some that are, and they don't get very big, but some of them can get uh, small and grow tall. And like this, this palm tree was uh, kind of a short one, and uh, it wasn't that big around. I thought, well, this will be an easy deal here. So they brought the bobcat in, started digging. And they started digging. And they dug some more. By the time they got that palm tree uh, dug up, it was like a crater. I mean, it was a huge hole there in the back, uh, in between the where we lived and, and the church there. And I'm thinking, land sakes, man, this tree's not that big. Why? And, uh, and so when I notice uh, all these roots, and they were just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I thought, whoa, that's what the word usage here is. Paul is saying, I want your roots to go deeper. Because what's, if you've, if you've ever been in a, a tropical, we were in a, a tropical storm while we lived there. It wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, but uh, not uh, too terribly long ago, they had a, a pretty good uh, storm go through. And I noticed uh, those trees, and, and you'll see it many times, those palm trees away, I mean, they're going like, I mean, they're really getting, but they withstand. Now, if it gets 200 miles an hour or something like that, uh, and a lot of them even uh, withstood that. Why is that? Because of the size? No, because of the roots. Amen. See, here's what Paul's saying. He says, I want you to let the Holy Spirit, you get so rooted in that you're, you're getting deeper in the Word of God and you're getting deeper into your service to the Lord Jesus Christ that when the stormy winds blow, you're able, you may sway, oh, you may sway a little bit, but you won't fall over. Why? Because your roots are deep. That's why we have our wealth in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason why many of you have gone through trials and tribulations. Many of you are going through those trials and tribulations. And many people will say something like, man, I, I tell you, what, what a faith. They got a strong faith. And, and I agree with that. And, and, and I, I can identify with that. But I'm telling you, uh, they have no secret. They, it's not like they got more faith. By the way, you can't get more faith because you've got faith. Faith, all the faith you needed, you got when you were born again. 
Okay, are you with me? So you're not going out and getting more faith because if you had to get more faith, then you're working for it, right? And the Bible says your salvation is not based upon your works, but it's based on His grace, right? And so you don't get more faith. What the problem is is that the reason why you are not withstanding the stormy winds is because your roots are not deep enough. And here's what Paul's praying and here's a prayer for the church today is we need to be deeper and we need to go deeper and we need to go deeper because God has given us the provisions to be able to go deeper. You don't have to muster it up yourself. That's the reason we talked in in our Sunday school class. In in class, if you're with me, you just stay with me, okay? But we've been looking in the book of Galatians. And Paul has been going after the the Galatian church there. Why? Because they had been saved by grace. But later on, the Judaizers were coming in trying to bring the law. And the law law added to grace. And Paul says, what's wrong with you? He says, you have become weak and you become poor because you're letting the law come back in, the law kept you in bondage and the grace that sets you free, you're deserting. I'm telling you why we're not making an impact is we're letting all kinds of other things come in and influencing us when we just need to rest in the fact that His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. But notice, there's another word that's used here and that word is grounded. He says, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will come in, will feel comfortable, will settle down. I'm praying that you'll be rooted, and I'm praying that you'll be grounded. Grounded, it's an architectural term. It means foundation. He says, you've got a foundation. And what the problem is, is that you have not built upon your foundation. Or... Or you have built on your foundation and your foundation was built upon the sand. I believe there's a story about that in the Bible. He says, here's the problem. This man built his uh, house upon the sand. This man built his house upon the rock. When the storms came, the one that built his house on the sand, it's gone. But the one who built his house upon the rock endured. Some of you have built your house upon the sand. Some of you, your foundation is not what it ought to be. Now, watch this. Oh, I've witnessed this. A buddy of mine, he did. Uh, uh, he would. Uh, he was in the drilling business, and he would drill these uh, holes, and uh, they would fill it with concrete. And it would take him forever. He, he would uh, go out of town a lot. He'd say, I'm in Knoxville. He said, yeah, we're building this found, uh, pouring this uh, caissons, I believe is what he uh, referred them to. He says, we're doing like 40, 45. And I'm thinking, man, that's a lot. I said, oh, he says, well, there's going to be a high rise built here. I said, okay. I said, why do you got to build so many? Like, of course, you know, this is the reason why I'm not an architect. I thought, well, why can't you just do a, a, a footer? <laughs> you know, build a 40-story building on a footer. I, you know, I'm dumb, all right? I, I didn't know. It's a foundation, right? It, it works for a house. Won't work for a 40-story building. Why? Because the building is going higher. So in order for the building to go higher, your foundation has to go deeper. Here's what he's saying. 
Paul is saying is that I want you to understand the wealth that you have. The Lord has given you the, the resources. Or may I say resource, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in your temple. He wants to feel at home. He wants to be settled in. He also wants to be rooted where your roots are going deeper and deeper. And He also wants you to go uh, higher. But the only way you can go higher is by you going deeper. That's the reason why many believers today go no higher than that single dwelling home when the Lord says, i like for you to be a 40-story building. But you're not able to do it because your foundation is not deep enough. I'm telling you, church, we are operating as if we have insufficient funds. And we're not making the impact because we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and do a work in us. Notice in that text, and we haven't read all the text, but in that text he says, worketh in you. That's the reason why later on Paul says about working out your own salvation. See, there's work involved in this, amen? And so here we also see how do I get, how do I get to that point in my life? You have to feed your spirit. Now, how do you feed your spirit? You feed your spirit by getting into the Word of God. You feed your spirit by praying. You feed your spirit by serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's what we're saying, is that many believers today have malnourished their Holy Spirit because you're not feeding it. The Bible says it this way. Paul makes reference to it as well in Romans 7. He says you gotta, you're either going to feed the flesh or you're going to feed, uh, feed the Spirit. And here's the problem that we have in our churches today is that we are trying to serve two masters. We're trying to feed the flesh. And then on Sunday we'll, uh, we'll throw a little uh, snack there uh, on Sunday to the Spirit. And then we wonder why we're not living victorious lives. Then we wonder why when people look at us, they see a difference in us. No reason why the lost world kind of makes a light of us when we say that Jesus is all that I need, but yet we go around and we're down in the mouth, we're pouting, we're fussing, we're all concerned, we're getting stressed out because of the election just like the lost world is. And they look at us and they say, well, Jesus ain't making too much of a difference but I'm telling you church I don't care who wins I do care but it doesn't matter to me who wins the election it really doesn't matter because that's not where my wealth is going to be found anyway my wealth is in the Lord Jesus Christ and I don't this whole world I know it's going to hell in the handbasket I understand that and I know we ought to be working but I'm telling you if even more now than have within any other time we ought to be walking around like we're wealthy. We ought to be walking around that Jesus Christ is all that I need. That Jesus Christ has done something special in my life. That Jesus Christ has saved me from hell but I don't have any saved from hell but he's given me life and he's given me abundant life. He's given me a joy. He's given me peace. And the world when they start to look at that that's when we'll start making a difference. But then he's not done. Looking how he closes out the prayer. Verses 20 through 21. 
I need to stay away from that, I think. Maybe I, it's shame that I need to stay away from. Maybe it's me that I need to stay away from. <laughs> Look who he prays to. Let me find it. Now unto him. Now watch this. Paul has prayed. Paul has given his petition. I really believe as he's praying this prayer and he realizes what he's praying for, he gets a little excited. Do you have a prayer life like that? When you sit there and you start praying, man, you just start start getting happy in the Lord. I mean, you're praying for somebody's healing. You're praying for somebody's salvation. And and, and you're you're praying uh, for a a, a number of things that you're praying for. I'm telling you, if we're really praying like we ought to, before the prayer's over, we ought to be rejoicing because we've understood that we're not just sending a bunch of empty words up, that we're not praying to some abstract figure, some cosmos up there, that we're praying to a one true living God who not only hears from us, but will act in accordance to his will and his timetable. And by the way, however he answers your prayer is always the right answer. Right? You ought to get happy in that. And so here, now Paul says, Now unto him that is able. I like that. You're praying to somebody who's able. You're not praying to a preacher who's not able. You're not praying to the priest who's not able. You're not praying to whatever you may be praying to. You're praying to the one who is able. But not only is he able, watch this. He's also able to do exceedingly. Did you hear that? Exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think. Now, listen, here's Paul. He's in He's in prison. He's praying for the, uh, the saints in Ephesus. He says, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will come and set in on you and it will settle down and he will fill it home. I'm praying that you're going to be rooted, you're going to be grounded and that you're going to understand the wealth that you have and that, that you're, the, the, the resources that you're coming, you, they're not coming from you mustering up, you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but you're going calling on the one who is able. But not only is he able, but he's exceedingly able to do all that you've asked and to think. I don't know about you, but you ought to be shouting on these grounds that you serve a risen Savior who not only hears your prayers, but will act upon your prayers. And sometimes he'll say, I'm going to throw a little extra your way while I'm at it. (laughs) Isn't that good? Remember Elijah? He says, I want a double portion. You pray. Listen, here's the problem. We're, we're just, we're, we're, we're so Mickey Mouse and, and I don't go, oh Lord, I know I ain't worthy. I know I'm, I'm, I'm just a piece of, I'm just, I'm, I know. But you know, Lord, if you could see fit, would, would you just answer my prayer? I, I don't know. I, here's again, spiritual imagination. Give me liberty once more. The Lord's up there saying, Father, I don't know what's up with this. He says, 
yeah, I'm going to hear them, but it's almost like we're praying and we're saying, well, if it's just, if, you, if, it's, if the Lord's on his good day, maybe he'll grant it. We, we, treat, we treat God sometimes, and this is not my notes, I'm just throwing this in. We treat our notes like we do our spouse. You know exactly when, when you really want something. When you really want something, you know exactly when to catch them when they're in their right frame, right? Those of you that are not green to that, you're a bunch of liars. We do, don't we? Boy, I want something from Donna. I'm going to clean the house up. I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to do dinner. I'm, go, I'm going to be nice to her. And she'll know something's up then right there. I'm going to say, baby, whatever you want. Hey, matter of fact, won't we just go out tonight? Well, in the back of her mind, she's thinking, he's, he's, he's up to something. Listen, you don't have to treat God like that. <laughs> you don't have to treat God like that because he says, he says, I'm ready to exceedingly, abundantly do what you've asked or even think. Isn't that good? Listen, listen, I'm telling you, we are acting like we have insufficient funds when we have all the riches of glory. And so here, he closes, and just we're closing, and we're going to go to the invitation. I'm, I'm telling you, I really believe in all my heart, there's somebody who is living like, living like you don't understand what wealth you have. You're not exercising that wealth. You're not living. You're not praying like you have that wealth. Uh, and, and so here he goes on. He says, uh, and in verse number 21. And to him be glory in the church. Now I find that quite interesting. He's praying for them individually, but now he's bringing them corporately. So what is he saying? He says, I know if individually, now watch this, watch this. Individually, if every one of us understood what we have in Jesus Christ, and if every one of us exercised that wealth that we have, when we come together, this world, this town could be turned completely upside down. And the reason why is because we are living as if we have insufficient funds. I got good news for you. Because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's tree for us, and because of the cost that it, uh, the penalty, uh, that uh, the cost that he did, your bank account, spiritually speaking, is full and will never run dry. So here's what we need to do. We need to quit being so concerned and spend time and energy on knowing. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that. But now it's time for us to be. It's time for us to act upon what we have in Jesus Christ.